talking to a few professors there. They're like, oh, you could go find another postdoc. Um, it wouldn't be as good as here, but that was that. And I just thought, well, this hasn't worked out that well. I do have a good relationship with my parents, so I just packed up the car and drove back to Massachusetts and went looking for a job and went into the corporate world. Always the big picture thinker, Oliver Will navigated the tension between being drawn to the theoretical and needing to apply his knowledge and expertise to the real world. As a statistician, he found the realities of academia didn't quite work for him, so looked to the business world. Find out how sometimes envisioning a future and living into what's in front of you are two different things on today's Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. Today I'm here with Oliver Will and we are going to talk about the changes in our lives and getting the support that we need and all kinds of things today. So Oliver, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, before I start this the way I typically start this, I need to say that Oliver is perhaps our power user of Roads Taken. And I say that only because he was the dear one to give me my first review on a podcasting platform. And I've never forgotten that. And you're like my favorite fan. So thanks oh, so thank much, you. Oliver. Yeah, no, that's great. I, <laughs> I have given this podcast 20 stars, um, twice on Apple accounts and once on Spotify and once on another thing <laughs> I can't remember. So yes, you're the highest rated podcast I listen to. Well, it has made such by people like you. So we're going to start this the way I know you know. I start this every time mm -hmm. with two questions, and they are these. Yeah. When we were in college, who were you? And when we were getting ready to leave, who did you think you would become? Oh, gosh, I'm so surprised. No, um, I've actually thought about these <laughs> questions for two years now. So it always comes up that I wonder, because for the longest time I had heard the first question is, who were you as you entered college and who as you left? But then I realized the wording was wrong on it. So um, who I was in college? Well, uh, when I was entering college, I was coming from public high school in Massachusetts, but it was a very good public high school. And I had felt out like I was missing out on a lot of social stuff. Um, and so I was ready to sort of to just sort of try everything, see what it was and see what was going on in college. When I got there, basically my two freshman year roommates, Sean and Tran, were much cooler than anyone I ever hung out in high school. So that sort of solved that issue about missing out on stuff. We had fun and stuff, but we did go our separate ways in college as well. But I still consider them good friends. But uh, who I was, was someone by the end felt very comfortable doing out in club stuff and just putzing around with friends. I've noticed lots of people sort of feel like they don't really fit in even at the end of college. But I did feel like I fit in at the out in club. Professionally, I came in, I was very strong in mathematics in high school and I thought that was the way I was going to go. I had originally wanted to do something that was science or engineering that wasn't mathematics, but you always take the math prereqs as you go along. So uh, freshman fall, I like, took chemistry, but then chemistry, I, I dismissed. Uh, physics, I went through that. I thought I was going to do physics. I found the second semester of physics to be wildly boring. I couldn't stand electricity. So I moved on from that. And then I went to engineering. So I did the big engineering class where you had to design um, a, a product um, my sophomore fall. That was really cool. But then I was like, well, I want to do something more theoretical. I don't really want to. I thought engineering was going to sort of train me to be a machinist. I know that's wildly wrong, but it was what it was. But I want to do something more th theoretical. And I took this course. It was in the social sciences. I still hadn't given up on science. And 
this course was, it's come up before, it was on bioethics. And I took it my, I had to have taken it my sophomore fall. And this course, um, it covered a lot of the fertility stuff, but it was really interesting. And I can't really remember the sequence of what happened, but from the course that led me to this book, it wasn't assigned in the course, but it was this book called The Dreams of Reason. It was just a horribly pretentious title. And I read that and I saw that there was new stuff coming out in biology that looked interesting for mathematics. We were sort of getting into the realm of uh, sequencing, the genome project. Mm -hmm. So I decided after that, well, I had a bunch of math courses, so I was going to do math. And then I was going to fill in a biochem minor. And I did the biochem minor really backwards. The first biology course was the one our sophomore fall that you all took. And then I took organic chemistry was the 97s. And I backed out the two intro bio classes. My senior year was in 99. So that was interesting. Um, it was also hard. I didn't do exceedingly well in the, those courses because that hit right into the pre-med majors. And I didn't really have a desire to be a doctor. And I, I don't know if that motivation you, I know you always want to win, but I don't know if that motivation was lacking because I didn't want to be a doctor. So my, those weren't that good. Um, but after that, I mean, we come into our senior year and we have to find something to do after Dartmouth. I decided I wanted to go to grad school, try to find a place I was going to do math and biology at. Not the traditional biostatistics, but I wanted to try to do something that was going to bring me into the contact with like the genome project. And so that course from sophomore summer, the biology course, the, the professor was really into uh, math and biology. And he had brought up this algorithm that a professor had come up with. And this professor was at the University of Southern California. And I just emailed him out of the blue one day. And he responded, he's like, just apply. And so, okay, I'm like, okay, I think this guy is probably the best one working in the field. He responded to me. And so I, I did the applications like I did the undergraduates. I found seven graduate schools to apply with. I put them in a range of most desirable to least desirable, like safety schools. Uh, what was weird about it was that um, I got into the top three that I was most interested in going to and didn't get into my safety schools. It was this guy, one of them? The... Yeah. So you apply to the department and USC was, I think, was my top choice in a math PhD program. Uh, you should get funding. Uh, USC was weird. I had the funding offer first before I was accepted. There was a joint program down at Rice, University of Houston and Baylor Medical School. In the end, I was just like, this guy, I think, is the best. I'm going to go work with the best. And I don't really have many other plans beyond that. And I remember thinking back then that I don't know if I'm going to be a professor I don't know what that is, but my next step is go to grad school, go get my PhD in math and biology, and um, I was going to go to L.A. So a common theme real early on, I'm surprised at the number of my classmates that have gone through L.A. I wish you had stopped by, but um, nevertheless, it was exciting. Like I, I was sort of sad that people were going to be in like New York, and I sort of felt like I missed that after experience in New York and Boston, but it was immediately to head out to L.A. And so, Oliver, you had talked about how in finding your way at Dartmouth, you wanted something theoretical. Yes. And yet, I would say the Genome Project, mm -hmm. there's lots of theory built in it, but it is very applicable and applied. Yes. So was there a struggle there? Was there a, you could put those things together and make sense of it in your head? Um, and, and what path really were you taking as you were starting that PhD program? More theoretical or more applied? Uh, it was going to be applied. My PhD is in applied mathematics. Um, and so basically, 
I was a pretty good computer programmer. So computers, you do applied stuff. Also, um, my weakest math course at Dartmouth was algebra. Um, and so the pure direction, you have to sort of focus in on algebra. And just the pure problems just never, they're interesting to talk about and think about, but I just never saw myself doing that. I was more interested in just the application of stuff um, and more interested in algorithms. And it has always been that way. Got it. Got it. Well, that's good. And you have to know the theory and think theoretically and theoretically in that social science way, too, of the bioethics, like what is the right thing to do and all of that. (laughs) So there you go. PhD and applied math living the Southern California life, if you ever saw the light of day outside of your lab. Yeah, I, I just, I, I did get um, my comeuppance early at USC where I had difficulty on the first set of exams. They were written, they were time tests. It's interesting. It was like six hours to do six problems. And I was right on the borderline and they were looking to, they were wondering if I could continue on or not. But they decided I could continue on. I, I, I had started working pretty early with a professor, not the one I had emailed, but a separate professor. And he was really good. And I ended up, he ended up being my advisor. And then I got my act together at University of Southern California. The first three years, I lived by the university. Um, it's down sort of on the border of South Central and downtown. It was a little worse, but it, it was fine. But by the end, I was able to find an apartment out in Venice Beach, lived three blocks on the ocean and could afford it on my salary. I can't believe that now when I look back there. (laughs) And yeah, I was really happy at the end. I was dating someone that I really liked and wrapped up my PhD. And so then it was the next step. So the next step was going to take a postdoc. I hadn't published enough, and this will become a common theme, to go get a job right afterwards. And also, we've seen other people that getting a professorship, there's luck involved with it. There's location involved with it. There's time involved with it. So I, I got five offers for postdocs. And I got one offer up at the University of Washington in Seattle. I was going to be tied to a professor. So I thought that was going to be the way to go and the best option of it. Um, my girlfriend at the time was really into establishing herself in LA. We were going to try the long distance and see what happened. And yeah, so I headed up as a postdoc in the statistics department at the University of Washington. It was a three-year position, so I headed up to Seattle. It didn't work out that well. I didn't publish much. I tried to work with the genome group that was there. Even though I was in the stat department, there was a heavy genome group. Um, this was 2001 to 2004, so the genome project was coming to the end. I got the one paper with my advisor out while I was up there. Um, it didn't help. I horribly procrastinate. My advi- advisor is a horrible procrastinator. The two of us together are massive procrastinators, so that was never good. But yeah, it just, I didn't publish. I did work with one of the people at the Genome um, Center, and we got a nice group paper out about a knockout experiment where we were trying to figure out the functions of genes and Pseudomonas aragansa. Um, so I didn't have much publications. It came to an end. My relationship with the girlfriend was no more. And so the time was up at Washington. Uh, talking to a few professors there, they're like, oh, you could go find another postdoc. Um, it wouldn't be as good as here, but that was that. And I just thought, well, this hasn't worked out that well. I do have a good relationship with my parents. So I just packed up the car and drove back to Massachusetts and went looking for a job and went into the corporate world. Yeah. And 
the real draw of academia for you really was the research. It wasn't, I want to go be a professor to teach. And and any of those experiences weren't things that fired you up, right? I In grad school, I did really well teaching. I enjoyed it. And I got awards for teaching or just one award, um, which was cool. But at Washington, I did have to teach as part of my postdoc. I had to do two courses. And the stat department stuck me with uh, statistics for non-majors that would meet Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 in the morning. Oh. And I had to use this awful book from the 70s. Um, that's well, real, No, it's not awful. It's, it was a really good introduction to statistics if you knew statistics. And so that didn't help my students at all. I, no one liked being there. I, I got I got mediocre ratings from the students. Yeah, but I think your the draw really was the the research and kind of yes, it's always been the big picture stuff. And so yeah, so it's hard to figure out you're going to shut down one avenue, but you did it, and you po- packed up the bags mm-hmm. back home. And what was intriguing enough about the business world to let you exercise the big picture thinking that you oh. kind of were desiring? <laughs> uh, the first thing I was surprised at was that the job in Seattle ended in um, June. I was surprised at the difficulty I had applying to stuff and not hearing from stuff. Uh, LinkedIn didn't exist, but I think Monster did. So I posted my resume to Monster, never heard anything. Uh, I was just surprised. Like, I, I thought that it would have been more attractive um, uh, uh, for it. I had done some programming and stuff, but not, not, not nothing structured that you need in a professional programming thing. So eventually in the fall, I got a job at a startup company outside of Boston. They were doing Internet surveys, very different than biology. But at some point, you need to make money. Um, it was a startup, and they had really interesting technology. They would run people through surveys. It was for packaging. It was for consumer packaged goods. And the surveys were very graphical, and you would ask people, like, do you like this packaging or do you like that packaging? And it would actually change, and it would become more and more what you actually liked. Like, if you liked the purple band across the Christmas packaging of the Hershey Kisses that was shaped like a Christmas tree, that purple band would follow you to the reshape thing. I found it really interesting. I mean, it was very, very micro into package design after it. And, and I started to learn more about business. I And what was your role in that first business um, oh, environment? The internet surveys would come to me, but I'd have to analyze them. We would turn them into the weighting of the different parts of the packages would be regressed out against regression equations. So I was turning the crank on that. Um, so I had a lot of projects that were out in the field and just turning the crank on equations and assembling reports for clients about what parts they liked the best and how they interacted with each other. It should have been artistic, but we were really, but marketing people really like numbers. So this was a real... Like a marketing quant, if you will. Yeah. And yeah. is that the path that you thought, okay, here I am in business. I'm learning by osmosis, everything that's going on around me but I'm a statistician and applied mathematician at heart. I'm, this is the role I'm going to find. I just need other businesses or, you know, what's your thinking of your, your role in business? Well, yeah, what happened, it was a startup. And so the first six months were good. And then we started spending more money than we're bringing in per month. And that's actually a pretty miserable situation. If you've ever been in it, you think it would be good because you don't really have, I mean, you work on improving the, the technology and stuff, but it is, it's rough on everyone. And so everyone started leaving the place. 
there were really smart people at the beginning that just weren't being replaced. Yeah, so what I did was I burnt the last of my academic cred. My youngest sister, she was doing a PhD out in New Zealand and was really struggling. But there was a professor there that did sort of evolutionary tree work that I had done and, and statistics like I had done. So I, I wrote to him and I said, oh, I'd like to get back into academics. Would you take me on as postdoc? Um, and he agreed to. He gave me a, a year position to go out to New Zealand. It was the University of uh, Canterbury in Christchurch. And my sister was there, too. My youngest sister was there. Huh. Um, so I head out there. Very early on, um, it became clear that the postdoc was only going to be one year. Um, I had to teach one course. Uh, it was stochastic processes. Um, so I wasn't going to be doing an intro course, which was nice. Um, I did try to do some stuff with him. There's a lot of stuff left over from Washington that I hadn't written up, so I actually got around to writing it all up. Um, I submitted it all and just got a bunch of rejections for it, um, which was fine, but it brought closure to that. And I had weekend. I saw my sister. We ate dinner once a week. It was a lot of fun, and I got to tool around the South Island, and it was nice. But it, in the end, it wasn't structuring anything in the future. So there you have this another taste of academia. It doesn't go exactly as you were hoping it would. Um, mm -hmm. So is that kind of when you put closure on that potential? Yes, this I finally put closure on this. And so what happens is that this finally puts closure on it. Um, it was pretty clear I wasn't going to go back, able to go back, unless something significantly changed, I wasn't going to be able to go back to my advisor for recommendations anymore. This guy he was a very nice guy in New Zealand, but um, it wasn't worth it. And and so it was time to get serious about the working world and being in corporations. And so one thing that did come up in New Zealand um, is that in the fall, um, I flew back to L.A. for a good friend's uh, birthday party. I mean, I'm single. I had money from the startup. You could do stuff like that. Um, and, it was, and I didn't really have to be around the department much in New Zealand by the end anyhow. And so I was at a really good friend's birthday party in L.A., and I met my wa future wife there. And so that was just one weekend there and with her. But then I went back to New Zealand because I wanted to finish out and do more traveling and stuff. Finish that out. But I went back and so there was this idea in L.A., but I went back to my parents' house and um, I got a job much quicker in Boston. I landed a job at uh, one of the big consulting firms that is in Boston. And I thought I had figured it out. I did really like from my previous position, like doing the statistician that was on all the projects. Um, I thought that our group at the consulting company was going to be like this, where I come in, do the statistical work and move. I thought I was going to be able to avoid the grind that the consulting world does. Um, my compensation, I thought, was a little low compared to what was going through the standard thing. But I was like, OK, I'll, I'll, I can take the cut against the compensation if I could avoid the general grind of the consulting. Uh, but no, the head of the group was a partner. Um, he had promised our group to help out on a project where the project was in stage two uh, for an electronics company. Everyone from stage one had resigned. There was five people in our group that were under him and he assigned three of us to it. And we got no support from the sort of the, 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 the I, I wish I knew the levels in consulting, I guess the, the fresh out of undergraduate. So we were the fresh out of undergraduates on this project. 
Um, I felt bad because of someone I knew from my previous company had asked me to come over to it. And I was struggling against just the amount of work. I, I remember one weekend, it was very clear that we had to fill in 150 page PowerPoints and all three of us were in the office all weekend. And after being in grad school and maybe the business world needs uh, someone to read a 150 page PowerPoint, but it just, it just seemed dumb. So it was only six months I last there. I had a recruiter call me. I have jumped around jobs and most of the times it's through recruiters. And this recruiter called me. He's like, I have a job. Um, it's in LA. Would you like to apply for it? And I'm like, oh yes. And so <laughs> I wrapped up the consulting firm after six months and I moved out to a company that was a late stage startup um, that eventually got by, bought by Ipsos, which was a large market research firm. I was back into the consumer packaged goods world. Uh, the big thing we did there was we outsourced some technology to build a virtual shopping self. So someone had uh, had commandeered Doom and made it with a shopping cart and you could go into the grocery store and pick stuff. And we sold it to Pepsi to be like, oh, we're going to show the people on the internet the survey and we're going to show them a bunch of bottles and a bunch of Pepsi prices and, and say, go shop and fill up your shopping cart and tell us what your standard shopping thing was. And then we would vary stuff. So the whole goal of it, they, they were really interested to drop the size of their bottles down to 16 ounces. Uh, that hasn't worked. Um, but then they were also interested in price elasticity. So how many more units you can move at different price points. Um, and I spent my time just going through all of the Pepsi verticals. Um, we started off with the soda. We went to Gatorade. We went to Tropicana. It was really interesting. I it, it was interesting. I also had a boss that was really interesting there that was really into the cutting edge of statistics. He was into things that had become much more popular these days, um, like neural networks. And um, so I did hear from him and we would try to fit stuff with neural networks, not pricing curves, but other sort of attitude surveys we would do there. Unfortunately, he wasn't very technical and I completely missed the boat. There was a lot of exciting stuff happening in the 2000s for neural networks that were dealing with today that we just missed, but we tried it. It was interesting. Yeah. And that brings that big picture thinking back into yeah. your world a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got to live in LA again. Uh, we rented an apartment up in West Hollywood and it was really nice. It was, it was a fun time. The wife to be that you'd met at the wedding. Oh, and we yeah. married. And so, yeah. I mean, I moved in with her right away. I had gone out to LA a couple of times while I was in Boston. Um, and so, yeah, so, and, and it went great. We had a really nice wedding in California and that was, that, that was that. Um, but then after five years, what always happens is that, oh, I just in general, I've been very impressed on the show about how people move up through corporate structures, but I've had to improve compensation and position by changing jobs. And so eventually, um, we had wanted our, my parents are retiring into the house I grew up in or have retired into the house I grew up in. Her parents have retired to upstate New York. So we wanted to get back to the East coast um, to be closer to them and potentially start a family. And so I always take recruiters calls. And so another recruiter was like, oh, I have a job in Pennsylvania. Do you want to apply for that? And this was after five years. I enjoyed it, but I'm like, ooh, Pennsylvania would be great. Um, outside of Philadelphia would be great. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I uh, applied for it. Um, this job uh, just was 
really fascinating. And I had never heard of the company before. I, it was a company called IMS Health. They go out and buy um, prescription records from pharmacies. They go buy uh, health records from insurance companies. Um, and, and then they take all the data, they anonymize it, and they attach it all together so you get uh, trajectories of people and what their prescriptions are through time. Um, and then they repackage it and sell it back to pharmaceutical companies. And so the group that I was went into was their media group where we would get like prescriptions of what people were getting. Um, I did a lot of work on the big anti-inflammatories, the Embrols and the Humeras, and we would get stuff like what kind of Google AdWords they would see attached to their prescription records. Uh, we would get TV viewing that they were looking at that was attached to their prescription records. And I'm like, I didn't even know this stuff existed. It was wildly fascinating to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. And with so much data on everybody all the time, uh, <laughs> there there's a huge need for you, but we don't really think of you back there figuring it all out. So that was to get you back east. Uh -huh. And yeah. is that the company that you stayed with? No, I, I made one more transition. I could have stayed there. It was also very flat. Like I like I was only four people removed from the CEO, so I, I didn't really know how to move up there. I moved one last time to where I'm currently at. I went back into doing survey work. We do health economics, so we do models of of the impact of, of what how much does depression cost employers. Uh, the big thing I do now is a lot of patient-reported outcomes. Uh, the FDA has a real concern to hear like patient voice within the products. We do a lot of work on oncology products um, for pharmaceutical companies. There's just so many products that we're trying to sort out like what people think of them. I don't know how they're all going to be tested. We just don't have the sample out there to go run enough clinical trials. They run and run combos on everything. Um, I do spend a lot of time now talking to the physicians and trying to tell them what's in their clinical trials. That never goes well. I always get beaten back. But you found a, a place where, kind of hearkening back to those college days of the intersection of biology yeah. and mathematics, mm -hmm. so a little bit full circle, keeping the on the ground, you know, you're applying what you know to things that are real world and people need desperately like good cancer treatment yeah. and yet keeping a bigger picture frame mm -hmm. in mind. So this seems like a good place for you to have landed over time. So Oliver, when you think back to your 20 something college days mm -hmm. self, and if you were to tell him where you've landed and kind of the meandering path that you've taken, mm -hmm. what would his response be? This question, I hadn't thought about that much. He would have been very interested that the working world has been as interesting as it actually is. He would have been surprised. I didn't really touch much on it, but he would have been surprised on family situations and stuff. And, and, and Making the move back to the East Coast was partially driven by this recruiter call, but mostly driven by wanting to be with family. Yes. And you'd alluded to kind of your desire to start a family. Uh -huh. This feels like another example of thinking things are going to go one way and then they go another. Talk to me about how that panned out for you. Uh, unfortunately, it just hasn't worked that well. Uh, my wife and I, we suffer from infertility. Uh, we don't have any kids and we, we've gone in for treatments and it's just led to four miscarriages. 
And is this something that, I mean, you have perspective on now being kind of around the medical Um, field? I don't know. I, I wish there was answers. I wish it was a better diagnosis. Like it's, there is no diagnosis. Things seem to be normal and uh, we've been able to get embryos and stuff, but so it, it's unknown and it's, it's, it's frustrating and it, yeah, I don't have much insight into it. Yeah. Yeah. And yet there are, you know, I'm sure still benefits of being your family and all of oh, that. Oh yeah, no, it's great. I go up to see my parents quite a bit. I would go up to see my in-laws quite a bit. So yeah, no. And my middle sister, um, not the one in New Zealand, you know, we have a really great niece and two really great nephews. So yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And it strikes me, Oliver, as another example of your kind of big picture envisioning the way things will go on one hand and then realizing actually reality is something different. And Mm -hmm. it's maybe meant to put you in a different path or have you experience the world in a different way. But I do think you found the place that it at every stage you needed to be to learn something or to figure out how your strengths can Mm -hmm. be useful in the world and so it sounds like you're in the right place for right now so thanks so much for sharing this path with us and we wish you the best oh thank you so much this has been a lot of fun that was oliver will who's been a research scientist in advanced analytics for primary research at a number of companies most recently cerner and visa an oracle company he holds a phd in applied mathematics from the university of southern california he lives in pennsylvania with his wife and their cats As I mentioned, Oliver is a power listener and active supporter of Roads Taken. We invite you to join him by following and leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. It helps attract listeners and grow our audience for our fantastic guests, sharing their stories, twists and turns with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley, on each episode of Roads Taken. Roads Taken.